0: Pompey's done incredibly well to get up above Pargill and find Bennett, it's into the box McNulty, cut back for Roberts It's Gary Roberts goal, for Pompey. Goal, Pompey! are leading in the fourth round of the FA Cup! Mark McNulty, but a good change by Doyle for so McNulty on the edge Mark McNulty, goal, short it. For Pompey. it past McCormack Won by Doyle, finished by the returning Mark McNulty First left blood for Pompey They're in dreamland early here at Bratton there's a through ball to Jamal Lowe, onside, the flag stayed down, Jamal Lowe, nonchalant, fantastic, brilliant, Pompey will be promoted at this rate. That is it, Pompey are champions, they won League Two in the most dramatic of circumstances. The PO4
1: podcast with Hugh Bunce and Matt Corrick. proud to be Pompey.
2: Hi Pompey fans and welcome to the PO forecast episode 33. Well joining me on the show this week is a returning guest. it's Andy Mitchellmore uh, and he's one of the writers for Pompey News now. He also um, helps head up the Frat and Faithful Facebook page which I also help with. So Andy managed to source us an amazing interview with Pompey CEO Mark Catlin. So Mark kindly gave us his time um, so he gave us 20 minutes before the Coventry game. So just to give you a little bit of background, we went into the Montgomery Lounge in Fratton Park. So there's a little bit of background chatter in the background there, but that's what it was like when we were there ourselves. So hopefully you guys can sort of, you know, really see what it was like to sit down with him. You know, Mark was absolutely fantastic. There was no questions off bounds, and we tried to ask all the questions that we could think about in that time, as well as a couple of questions you guys sent in, uh, both on Facebook and on Twitter. Um, after that me and Andy then you know have a little chat about it we then review the Coventry game uh, what's going on around the league and then get straight into the massive massive game against Sunderland where we think it's going to go what players to to watch all the usual stuff really and, and a bit of fun thrown in there so yeah listen up this is the chat me and Andy and Mark Catlin
1: Firstly, Mark, thank you very much for agreeing to have a chat with us from uh, the Frat and Faithful and from Pompey News. Now we're extremely grateful for your time. Brilliant, uh, on a match Most day. Thanks. Yeah, um, I guess we'll open with a nice broad one on your overall thoughts for the season. How it's compared to where you thought we'd be when you know start of uh, start of the season.
0: Um, I think at the start of the season, the plan was always to improve on the year before. That's sort of our base camp in regards of mm. where we want to go with it uh, for the season. So we've done that. We've achieved that. I think privately, although I never come out publicly and said it, the playoffs were always really, you know, what we were looking for this season. Um, I think, well, I know really as the course of the season's gone on. In regards of, we had the great checker trade run. We had some great moments in the FA Cup. Some of the away days, even Burton, you know, on Friday was amazing. So I've got some fantastic memories of the season, and you know win our next four games we get promoted automatically so I think as a whole going into it the last two weeks now we're in a fantastic position worst ways we've got the players to look forward to if you can call that looking forward to but um, so there's still a lot lot to play for one another trophy that the club had never won before great day out at Wembley some amazing away days that will stick with me forever in my in my memory so yeah I think overall it's been a great season and um, you know still plenty to play for. Another trip to Wembley, potentially. Potentially, <laughs> potentially yeah, no. I think that one will be a little bit more nervey, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah.
2: Sure. Um, obviously, the squad have been um, fantastic this season so far. Um, yeah. Just I uh, want to talk about who you think maybe is a bit of a surprise package, who's, who's come along well this season.
0: Ooh. I'd, just, I'd like to say Ben Close, because he had some pretty big shoes yeah. to fill. You know, when mm. Ben Thompson left, and it, it took a while. For for him to grow into those shoes. But I think as the the season's gone on, he's just got stronger and stronger. He's got the goals in his game. And for me, I'm a little bit proud because I I first saw him when he was 14, 15 in the academy. And I immediately, because of my Spanish sort of background, I immediately called him a name. I won't say what it is, but he sort of picked up a tag of a a Spanish player. And he does remind me of him. Ben's one of those players you could drop into any Spanish team, I think, at most levels. And he would just seamlessly fit in because he is that Spanish-type player. Um, and he's added, the, as I say, the goals have come into his game now. So I think he has been a surprise package, but I think Craig McGivory as well. I mean, Craig was brought in. Yeah, brought in. There was no real expectations for Craig. Was there this season? We didn't pay a fee for him. Um, he wasn't, I hope he doesn't mind me saying, he wasn't one of our big earners. You know, he was there to, to compete with Luke and I just think he's grown from strength to strength this season and it's rare especially at Portsmouth seem to have a little bit of a fixation with goalkeepers even when I think they're good but you know he doesn't really get a lot of stick does he? Mm. He He just carries on week after week, he's solid, makes the saves that he should make, and every now and again pulls out a worldie that wins us wins us a game. So mm-hmm. I think he's been a surprise package That's as well. It's
2: it. interesting you said uh, Ben Close. So I spoke to Christian Burgess a couple of years ago, and he's mm-hmm. the player, he highlighted it to
0: to break into the first team. I yeah, that, so yeah. It's getting lot. stronger as well, and he uses his body yeah, well nice to, to get like the, the the ball in front of him and sort of shields it well. So you don't have to be a brute of a man to do that. Mm-hmm. You just got to be clever. I mean, so, Messi's not. A brute of a man, but he's very strong on the ball. Yeah. It's tough to get off, and I think Ben's adding that into his game.
1: I think, yeah, that's one thing we've noticed in terms of when the club was struggling financially and playing a lot of 16, 17 year olds, especially when we dropped down to, to League Two. It was that physicality that we noticed was missing. It was not men against boys, but sometimes it did come across that way purely because of the physicality yeah. side of it. Yeah. And um, I think
0: that's even more apt when you, you drop into like League Two mm-hmm. and a and <clears throat> few teams in League One as well that the the physicality of it. Maybe not so much the champ, because I think there's a few players that probably would be more adaptable to the Championship. Mm. That
2: free-flowing style exactly,
0: of Exactly, yeah. yeah. You know, you've know, got to be quick, you've got to be intelligent on the ball, you've got to have that athleticism to get around, but it is a different skill set going from League One and League Two into the Championship. Yeah, absolutely.
1: Sure. Um, you touched on the academy there and the youth system. Obviously we've seen quite a lot of success coming through the Pompey youth system, so players like yeah. Jack Bournemouth and Ben Close you touched on, and. Someone like Conor Chaplin, who we're obviously hoping today doesn't. We don't see too much of him.
0: Yeah. You know um, that's going to happen. so oh, If I keep saying enough, maybe it won't. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> we, said, I mean. we said last yeah. week against yeah. Sunderland,
1: it was. Like, we called him to score the winner in the middle of yeah. their first half, and it happened. There's just, to just like, some inevitability yeah. about it. Yeah. But what do you think it is about the youth system here? Um, so it's something that a lot of fans won't yeah. know the details of, I suppose, from the outside. Um, the, the, the
0: I think it's a combination, really. I think uh, Mark Kelly is the academy manager. Has, has done a great job, and we've had that continuity. Andy left, and he'd been there for years, and then Mark came in. So I think it's a combination of having that stability, and believe it or not, Portsmouth as a city, being a tough working-class city. Right, it's, you wouldn't call it like an inner-city ghetto area, like maybe some some areas of London where you know they just mass-produce the kids because they've got that hunger. But it's not far off. You know, it's it is tough working-class you've got to work hard to achieve any sort of success if you you want to achieve success from Portsmouth and I think we have got a great catchment area where people from Pompey want to play for Pompey as well Mm. so I think they've got that hunger they've got that desire they're out playing whenever they get the moment it's not it's not like cricket in city is it or Mm. exactly or even a rugby it's a proper footballing city loves the club and I think that so the combination of that and the staff that we've got there and some great additions including Sean O'Driscoll's just come in and we've got Liam Dage working with Mark in the under 18 so we've got a real good skill set in, um, in the academy and we have done I mean, behind the scenes, John Slater does an, an amazing job as well. So I think there's a combination of the city Portsmouth being what it is as a city, uh, aligned with the stability that we've had there, and the quality of the staff mm. has continued to produce this, you know, ever ever growing band of youngsters that come through and break through into our first team. Nice.
2: Um obviously in the end of the season, aim really now nice to get promoted. Yeah, we got four games left, and um, do you perceive it might be difficult to have to rebuild the team for League One, so uh, if we end up not getting promoted? Because um, you must have yeah, got the back of your mind.
0: I actually think. Controversial. Um, I think it's going to be more difficult for us next year in League One than it would the Championship, because League One-wise, if, if you look at the players that we've already signed, we, we're all like we've already signed up 20 plus players. Now, you could argue, and I would argue strongly, that that is still very positive because everyone knows everyone. You're going to have players like Lee Brown. You're going to have. Ben close, and Brett Pittman, and Ollie Hawkins, and Ronan Curtis, and Jamal Lowe, it's and Matt Clark. Team, yeah, I mean. so if we've come close this year, given them another year, another year of development, we've, with a couple of additions here or there, then probably we're gonna go again and, and be challenging at the top. But the bar is gonna be so high. Mm. Yeah. I, I, my worry is that next year, it will be of like, in the eyes of fans, promotion or bust type thing. You know, it'll be, we've got to get promotion this year or it's been a massive failure. Mm. So the expectation levels will be through the roof in League One, rightly so. We are Portsmouth, third year under Kenny Jacket, decent budget, had that stability. So, and Kenny will be the first, along with myself, to put that pressure on ourselves. So Mm. there will be a big expectation. If we go to the championship, through the way that our COO-FD Tony Brown has, has structured all of the deals, we will have quite a bit of financial flexibility in the championship without Michael having to put huge sums into it. We'll be going up, you know, there'll be, We'll obviously the majority of the squad will stay as it is, but we'll have enough money to go and get maybe, you know, three to five big hitters to supplement our existing squad. And the expectation levels will be relatively low, so I think
2: You've got that money coming in, haven't you, from the champions? Yeah, so you get
0: deal, exactly. So you get that extra money that can effectively be put into the player budget. Yeah. Um, in League One, everything stays the same. And as I say, Kenny's tied up a lot of the budget already. In my opinion, rightly so, by the signings we made. I think you'd argue the only first teamer that hasn't signed is Nathan Thompson. Everyone else is as is, and yeah. that's not a bad thing because by default, with nearly gone close to promotion this year so why would you want to rip it up Absolutely. if everyone stays the same and you make one or two three additions great you know you get a little bit stronger and you go again next season but to get to the championship which is obviously the aim and i've seen people out there saying mm-hmm. oh we don't want to get to the champ what a load of rubbish because i think it'll actually be better for us in the championship and and the ex- and if you look at Millwall as an example in their first year they nearly went again and they didn't have a huge budget but they had that base of a team that brought through, made one or two additions and, and in their first year nearly um, achieved the playoffs into the Premiership. Mm. You now They're struggling again this year because after that first year people find you out, you lose some of your better players to other teams and then you're back in the struggling mode. But for looking just one season in advance, I th- personally I think it will be, from an expectation point of view, you know, a lot easier in the Championship than it will be in League sure. One. Yeah.
1: Mm. You touched on the, the running of the club there with the Eisners. Um, yep you've been here through the PST times yeah. and the through the package. admin it's through the
0: PST, through to my exactly. account,
1: yeah. What are the, the differences that you've noted between the PST running and the items coming in?
0: Um, honestly very little. I, I've said it so many times before that I was very lucky in that although we were fan-owned I was given a huge amount of protection by the board under PST stroke Presidents Community mm-hmm. Ownership. Um, they were always A lot of fan-owned clubs um, bend to the will of social media platforms. Sack the manager he's useless. Then you get calls from the directors. We've got to sack the manager. I I never had any of that, genuinely. I was always very well protected by the board. Now, under Michael, pretty much the same, you know. Just work within parameters of a budget. And as long as I work within those parameters, I'm pretty much given free reign along with my management team, you know, of yeah. Tony Brown, Anna Mitchell and, that, and others, Maurice Edmund, Hazel, you know, we work within our own budgetary world. We support each other, we work together. So very, very little has changed. And
2: that's great to hear from
0: It's great, it's great. Yeah, it's yeah. Great. yeah they, we've got a lot of autonomy. Um, every now and again, someone will come up on Twitter or Facebook or, or wherever, and Eric will give me a call and say, what do you think of this? And he'll look for a reason why we made a certain decision. But genuinely, in the two years now, I've never had him try to reverse a decision that the executive board here at the club, the people that know the club have said, look, we really think this is the right way to go. They never go the other way. And
2: Eric's been fantastic engaging with the likes
0: bus guys on Twitter. Exactly. Yeah, Eric, Eric's amazing, amazing. Yeah. It's difficult because you've you got, you got your heart, which is as a fan and your head, which is as a business. And sometimes they don't always marry up, you know? Um, but that's why you've just got to remain sensible. I mean, even in January, there was crazy people out there holding polls about sacking Kenny Jacket. You can't. Yeah. I mean, who do you think you can get better than Kenny Jacket at least One level? Like, that's that's I mean, the genuine. Question. One of like the dangers of social media being on there yeah. as an
1: owner as well is knowing that the, the four ridiculous comments you get to every tweet about sacking Kenny Jacket or getting out of the club, we want to be a fan owned again, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Um, that is very much the minority, but it's putting yourself out there is that, is that yeah. the risk as an owner. I think that they've done so well and they, they accept that yeah. you got a very vocal minority. I, I mean,
0: if you look at our fan base, People to actually say, I support Portsmouth Football Club. People in the city, people outside of the island, then people internationally. I would hazard a guess we're at about 200,000. You look at, yeah, I would, uh, do, do you get what I'm saying? Even an yeah. mean, open bus tour and stuff with the FA Cup,
2: it yeah. turned out, I know it's a glory moment yeah. and such, but there's, you can see there's yeah. a huge support. Yeah, 19,000. Yeah, yeah.
0: 19, so, yeah. Yeah. Really, so yeah. my point is, you have to be careful that you don't pander to maybe 50 or 100. Mm-hmm people that that are very vocal Mm. on on any social media platform. You have to think there's such a silent majority that are really happy with how things are going, want to support their club through thick and thin, want to remain loyal to a manager, to an owner, to a chief exec. And then you start making decisions based on a very small minority of like radicals in inverted commas. So you've got to be careful with that. Mm. But that's where, remember, Michael was at Disney, I think am not sure. There was social media when Michael was there, but he he's very adapt throughout his career to um, taking on new technologies, and and he knows that, you know. And at Disney, he used to tell he tells me ESPN as well, I believe. ESPN, yeah. but he tells me at Disney that you know on a Monday morning, he's, he's in those days it was what we call snail mail. It was just like the mailbox was was full up, mm. you know, with people. Why have you up the price of this, you know? Um, not happy with this, why did I wait three hours to get on a ride, why was I waiting an hour to go into the toilets, mm. so you just have to, you know, he, he's come from that environment of in high, exactly and and high yeah. expectation levels from customers and mm. I know fans don't like to be called customers and I'd never call them customers because they're fans, they love the well, club. I can say that as a
1: fan. Please. Yeah, <laughs> you, you, you yeah, yeah. can
0: say that as a fan. Yeah. yeah, yeah.
1: Um, in terms of uh, a couple of the contract things that have been coming out recently, uh, obviously yep. uh, Ben Close put uh, a uh, pen to paper on a new deal. Yep. Was that a, a reasonably recent and quick developing thing because of his massive increase in performances well, this year, or was that in the, no, the book anyway? What
0: we tend to do is, we, when you get in a younger player like Ben, or a Ronan, or a Jamal that's coming out of the league, yeah, it's difficult. When you bring in a Tom Naylor who's been around, he's got the experience, he's yeah. established, he knows what he's on. Financially, We knew he was in at Burton, he knew he was on his club before, Lee Brown the same, these type of players, Nathan Thompson, yeah, their wage is their wage. It's not a gamble for them, I'm offered, I've been offered this to stay at my existing club, I can get this from this club, do you want to pay this wage? Now when you're looking at players coming through wanting to prove themselves, to a degree the, the advantage is with Portsmouth Football Club, because they're not gonna go elsewhere and get a, a, a crazy good deal. So what we tend to do is incentivize those type of players by game. So their money goes up on 10 or 20 game appearances. So we say, look, you've got to earn it. You can't be on the same money as Tom Naylor. You know, Tom Naylor's an experienced pro, he's played in the champ. He was on this money. So you can't come in and be on Tom Naylor's money. So you start relatively low, like academy players, or the players that have come in from non-league or other leagues, you know, um, like the Irish League, mm-hmm. and we basically say 10 games, 20 games, you, you 30 games, 40 games, up to a point, and then when you hit that point there's there's an obligation from both parties to sit down and renegotiate a new, new deal. Okay. Now, it doesn't say what it has to be, there's no onus mm-hmm. on the club or the player to accept well, it, but it just it says at that point we appreciate you've hit an important milestone. It's like a
2: professional development. Process. Exactly,
0: we, we appreciate you've hit 40 games now you're a serious player for Portsmouth Football Club. We need to sit down and negotiate a new deal. So that is where it evolved with Ben Close. Um,
1: we'll do a couple more that we've been sent in from uh, members of our of our fan groups. That's yeah. okay. well, came sure. yeah. that. yeah. up. Um,
2: yeah. yeah, sure. So um, there's been a bit of talk about the Milton being being developed yeah. and the uh, possibility of playing away game as the first match of the season. Was that something you considered?
0: You, yeah, we we always. With the work being done, you can request it, but there's no guarantee. Yeah. Given with what's going on with a pitch this year, um, and not just a pitch, potential um, work like non, even Milton and related, but there could be other works going on, health and safety. It, there is a chance we will put that request in. I mean,
2: I think the fans are just really excited. I moving of the floodlights and stuff—they sort of see
0: it as a yeah. symbolic moment. happening. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 yeah there's, there's scaffolding it's, up. There's stuff happening. Yeah. It's I mean, you've seen the, yeah. the scaffolding at the yeah. back. Oh, I yeah. mean, it, yeah. the amount of work in that—and it does frustrate me. When's the work going to start? And I'm yeah. saying, if you looked at the back of the setup stand, I mean, mm-hmm. it's not a cheap job. Yeah. It's like a no, huge job that needed in to be done. And build yeah.
2: So I know how much work goes into exactly. Yes. Yeah. And
0: it's—it's so many moving parts in regards to the plan. In, in regards to the construction, in regards to the scaffolders and you know so many and the, and the residents and getting planning permission and building control, you know I mean being in the business, sure. it's so tough. Fans don't understand that a lot of the times, why would they? They're not in that mm. business and it has been an eye-opener to me, I'm not from a construction background, but just the amount of work that goes in, yeah, is crazy. But yeah to answer your question, um, it is something we would definitely look at, yeah.
2: Oh one of our writers at Pompey News now, um, Heather, yep. um, she was looking into the possibility of having a stadium tour for people with anxiety yep. or um, sort of like mental health issues, so just getting used yep. to um, being in the ground or something. Yeah. Yep. Of
0: course, that's, that's just not an issue whatsoever. Just let me know and we'll I swear. just promised her I'd ask. Yeah, <laughs> yeah no, that's a hundred, You know what we're like as a club. If oh, there's no, something we can right. do, we'll do it. Yeah. Thank you. Awesome. Yeah.
1: Uh, final question. We're here pre Coventry. You've mentioned you think there might be some inevitability about the Connor the scoring. Afternoon. Yeah, and I'll keep
0: saying it. Connor's going to score today.
1: What are your predictions for the afternoon? Just so when this is uh, after Oh
0: the game, uh, predictions <laughs> always difficult. Yeah. Um, I think the momentum of the crowd and, and everything. I, I normally I come to the ground and there's little bit of nervousness around, mm-hmm. and, and I think that feeds through sometimes onto the pitch. Yeah. So after 10 minutes, we're trying to get a flow going, the crowd are flat, mm-hmm. misplaced pass, and there's a bit of a groan. Mm-hmm. Watch that was different. The first game, checker trade, um, post the checker trade win. I got, get oh, in getting here early, but there was a lot more fans around the normal. The sun was shining, people were smiling, and I could almost tell instinctively that we were gonna win. It just felt like mm-hmm. the pressure was off. So I think a lot of it will be, how, if we get frustrated early, don't want to go a goal down, mm. the, the nerves will really kick in. And I think because we've twisted it now back into our own hands, the pressure sort of comes back on us a little bit.
2: Yeah, it's back. so
0: much better. Yeah, I feel that. I mean, even with Burton, I thought the crowd stayed with us magnificently in that yeah. second half. And we were really under the cosh, We couldn't yeah. get out at times. And the crowd, and I always say people underestimate the effect that the crowd has on the players. So I think one. If we get that Rochdale positivity, I I think we'll win. Um, I think we'll win anyway. I've got to be honest with you. I do think, man for man, we are a better team than than Coventry. But who knows? You know, a lot of talk about the referee. (laughs) 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 What's your prediction? Um, Well, I'm I'm going for two one. I'm going for two one. Connor Chaplin scoring for them. I'm
1: going. 3 1 with us going 3 up and then the Pompey faithful not actually being too upset to see the concept. Probably yeah. applaud him. Yeah, yeah that would yeah, be, yeah. nice be nice. That would be nice. Team one as well. T1. Awesome. All right, brilliant. All right. Thank you very much. Listen,
0: thank you very much. Anytime. All right, cheers. cheers. All right. Thanks, yeah.
2: Andy, what an experience that was to interview the man himself, Mark Catlin.
1: Yeah, uh, it was a nice way to start the day before the game. Uh, he obviously predicted the correct score as well, so need to start taking his predictions a bit more often. But yeah, he was—he uh, said before we, we started the interview that there was nothing that was you know off topic. He's happy to answer any questions, and I think looking at some other clubs in well in uh, in the English football league, particularly, we're in a, such a fortunate position to have a CEO who is who's that open with the fans, that open with his answers. He does his, does his monthly Q&As um, that sound like they're completely unedited and just says things how they are, really, even if it's you know, uh, just his own opinion. He's not worried about getting that out there. So, yeah, it was good to put a few questions to him and, uh, and see what he thought about the game and, and the season as a whole.
2: No, it was, it was great, wasn't it? I think we, we tried to fit in as many questions as we could, didn't we? Including some of the questions we had sent in from Frat and Faithful. Yeah, fighting against and- the time. Yeah, one's from Pumping News. Now, he gave us, he said 10, 15 minutes, didn't he? We managed to stretch it to 20, so or nearly 20, so I'm impressed with that.
1: Yeah, we got, got as many as we could in, but obviously we had a, quite a few questions sent in. We had our baseline questions anyway that we needed to get the big ones out there. And then, yeah, just fitted in the, the, the themes that we could see most frequently coming through uh, people's questions on the pages that we, uh, that we asked for the question input from.
2: Yeah, completely. And um, if anyone wants to go see the video, we actually got a video footage of the interview uh, and that'll be available if you go to Facebook and you search Frat and Faithful, it will be uploaded there. Cool. So, going back to the content quickly, I think we didn't ask any questions that threw him, did we? I think the only question that he said controversial to was when I asked him about rebuilding the squad for next season, if that was the case, he didn't get promoted.
1: Yeah, I mean... As I say, we didn't go in there with the thought of it being like a Jeremy Paxman, uh, Jeremy Paxman Newsnight style interview, uh, but yeah, I don't think we really pinned him to the wall on anything, on anything too controversial. But it was good to get his take on things towards the end of the season. I mean, last time I spoke with him in person was at uh, it was the the evening before we won the League Two title, actually, in um, at a pub in in Fratton that they did a Q and A, him and Ian McKinns. So it's interesting to see where his views are now compared to where they are then, as we're obviously you know, pretty much an entire league above uh, where we were at that point. We're now the, near the top of League One, whereas we were at the top of, of League Two then, or near the top of League Two. Um, but yeah, it was good to get a, a variety of, of questions out there on the squad as a whole. What would happen if, if we did go up this season and how that would compare to if we stay in League One. Um, and I, I guess the really interesting stuff for me was, was uh, how the club is run, under the as compared to the PST because from in my eyes I expected there to be at least internally sort of a a large difference because you've gone from being a community-owned club uh, to being owned by you know these these guys who have owned massive companies in the past Um, but to hear that nothing's really changed internally and that they're not trying to have some sort of autonomy over the whole process was quite encouraging I mean he said that they've never, uh, the Isles haven't really ever contacted uh, the executive board to ask about any decisions being uh, reversed or to suggest that they've made a wrong decision. And they're just not being second guessed by the owners, which is very encouraging. I think that was the, that was the most interesting thing that, that we spoke about to me. I mean, obviously,
2: and I think that we also discussed on that question about the sort of the player budget. And um, he said he thought it would be harder next season to, with the expectation of getting promoted to League One, and if we were to go up to the Championship, there would be money available that's been planned ahead, which is, quite, which is good to hear, isn't it?
1: Yeah, it was, it was interesting to hear that that's how the, uh, the financial structure seems to be working. He said that if we, if we go up, there's a potential for you know, three to five big hitters, I think was the phrase he used, uh, yeah. whereas if we don't go up, well, firstly, why would you make wholesale changes when you've got a team who, at absolute worst from this position, will have lost out in the playoffs and are fairly near the top of the table? and if we don't go up it will be because of that one poor run of form after New Year why would you make wholesale changes to a side like that and obviously if we don't go up you'd expect we, we might lose a couple of the, the more successful names in the team for sure um, but yeah you wouldn't want to see massive changes at that point if, if possible because even if we don't go up we're, we're nearly there as a squad anyway but uh, yeah it'll be interesting to see if we do go up what sort of names uh, the club will be looking to bring in but we'll deal with that when we get to it, I suppose, after after May the fourth.
2: Yeah, May the fourth be with you, mate.
1: Absolutely. Big day.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, both on this planet and off. And I think that looking at looking at the some of the questions, the talk about the stadium redevelopment. Um he did confirm that they would look into the possibility of playing the first game away from home so that the development of the ground can continue in the off season. Uh, which is which is obviously interesting. And I don't know about you, but obviously he wasn't going to confirm exact development uh, procedures, etc. on the on our recording, but he did seem to lean towards the idea of quite a lot being done over this summer.
1: Yeah, well, anyone who was at the game on, uh, on Monday would be able to see the amount of scaffolding that was up there uh, around the ground, and things are already in motion, and the, the structure's being put up for some work, presumably in the off-season, whatever that work is that maybe we haven't been given the, the exact details of uh, as fans, because a lot of it is just going to be internal and structural. But when fans say, when is work being done to put, to Fratton Park? And they're talking about, you know, increases of um, of how many the ground can hold by 4,000, 5,000, that is a That is a bloody big project. Um, and yeah, that, that baseline structure has to be put in, in place first. So when the is first turned up and put, I can't remember the exact figure, but it was a shit ton of money they put into um, helping the ground pass the health and safety requirements of a league yeah. on ground. All that baseline work has to be done first. But um, it was interesting that he said, uh, well, he refused to rule out the fact that they'd be asking for the first game of next season to be away from home. So it sounds like there'll be some changes going on over summer. Uh, yeah. The size of those changes remains to be seen. Uh, they seem quite uh, quite cagey in terms of giving exact details, which that's their prerogative at this point. To be honest with you, I, all of the, the questions at the moment are focusing on what's happening with the ground. With two weeks left in the season and us on the, the fringes of automatics, I honestly don't care about any of the politics to do with ground work at the moment. That's, that's something to talk about um, at the start of the off-season, to try and find out exactly what's going on.
2: Yep, and, and I'm, um, sure, I'm sure me and you'd be asking the right questions to get that information.
1: Right, exactly.
2: Precisely. Um, is there anything else you want to talk about that we, we spoke on or do you want to round up or highlight?
1: Um, I thought his his comment about uh, the fact that he thinks it'll be more difficult if we stay in League One than the Championship because of the, the expectations of the ground, of, of uh, the fan base now and of the club as a whole. Because if you look at the last few years, we have seen um, improvements in performance, improvements in and uh, league table results pretty consistently for the fa- last few years now. So it was you know, League Two playoffs, then uh, winning the league, then um, pretty solid consolidation year for the most part. Then this year, obviously, we're really fighting for, uh, for automatic promotion. And uh, Matt, who I think, uh, does he write for Pompey News now? At yep. Pragmatic Frog on Twitter, yeah, come out. Um, he, he pointed out recently that uh, at this stage, Pompey have got 20 more points than last season. Uh, so that, that's, you know, seven wins over the season, pretty much. And in any normal League One season, that's going to be enough to get you automatically promoted. And if we don't get promoted, having hit the 90-point barrier, then that's just a—it's because its because it's been an absolutely ridiculous season. It doesn't take away from the number of games that the players have won and the runs they've been on, uh, aside from that little, that little spell after Christmas and New Year.
2: No, completely. And I think that it's quite plain to see, isn't it, at the top and bottom of this league, how competitive it is, but also the gulf between the top five teams and the rest of the league. Mm-hmm. Um, just outside the playoffs, you've got a little group of teams now, haven't you? Um, you've got the Coventries, the Burton's, etc., cetera, just going down there. But um, Oxford, I think, are in 10th, just below Burton now. But believe that, it's a right drop off, isn't it, right down to the bottom and a lot of parody, really, in the league. And there's a lot of parity at the top of the league, which is very unusual for this sort of stage of the season.
1: But then, yeah, I mean, you look at Wimbledon, for example, taking um, a couple of points off Luton. Uh, those those lower teams could still play a big part in the end of the season. I mean, the teams in the middle of the in the middle of the league, for example, are still going to play a large a large part in deciding who goes up. So Barnsley, for example, they've got uh, I think they've got Blackpool and Bristol Bristol Rovers. I'm not sure. That's if right. Away, but it's they've got away, them the last yeah. few fixtures of the season, and Blackpool and, and Rovers are having. You know, they've got very little to play for now. I think, well, math, uh, mathematically, I think Rovers can possibly still go down. What well, I'm looking at the table now, they're what four points clear with two left. So, depending on who's playing who, maybe they could still go down. But it's, I believe it's they've unlikely. got a
2: good. From the top of my head, I believe that Bristol Rovers have a fairly. Decent goal difference with that side of the, um, the Yeah, division. I'm looking
1: at it now, mate. Their goal difference is minus four compared yeah. to... I mean, Rochdale are a place above them with minus 30, which is... I'm, <laughs> that must have been some interesting games. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, you can't, so... Can't so, say Rochdale don't go for it, can you? You really can't. Um, but, yeah, even though his team down the bottom of the table, are still going to play a big part, part in what happens at the end of the season. Um, my... I mean, I guess we'll talk about this later on with, when we talk about the run in... Uh, specifically, but us now having Peterborough on the last day of the season, they've, you know, they've really got something to play for with with Donny dropping points. I think Donny have lost two in a row. Um
0: so of Peterborough uses. now,
1: I know we want a nice big gap between sixth and seventh. So when we play posh, they've got absolutely nothing to play for. But it looks like they might be coming to Frat and needing to win to because uh, if they win their game in hand, they will be level on points with Doncaster in sixth, but with a worse goal difference. So yeah, it certainly so many teams are going to impact the, the end of this end of this, uh, this season.
2: No, completely. I think Peterborough are unbeaten in five as well from the last memory. I don't know if it yeah. stretches any further back than that, but I know that there's now five games unbeaten, and I think they've got three wins and just drawn a couple recently. Mm. <laughs> uh, uh, do you know what? I'll just give people a bit of a backstory. So, um, Andy, I want to congratulate you. Well, because I thought I had a bit of a mission to get to Fratton yesterday. Oh, not yesterday, on Monday. Time flies. Um, I had to get up and go on the 10 to 7 train to make sure the rubbish services you get on a bank holiday down to, down to the grounds. Um, so I could get to Mark Catlin's office for 10 o'clock. You had to travel down, didn't you, and stay down further yeah. closer?
1: Oh, yes, it's not a particularly big deal. I, I lived uh, in Winchester, which was quite a nice easy commute down to the games uh, moved up to oxford for work so it's a little bit further now and as you say bank holiday weekend is a bit of a nightmare so yeah i just stayed in Winchester the night before and popped down but it was well, fine you got nice game, game of thrones was on at two o'clock in the morning so i don't think either of us were in the in the best state for the interview but um no you do what you have to do don't you to come and watch the team so
2: nice one got to be done. Re- rewarded ourselves with a couple of pints and uh, you managed to have a couple of pints of pepsi because well, no you had soda water and lime because you're training water, for a marathon
1: man. I've got the London Marathon on Sunday. Yeah, super exciting. So it, a bit of a, a, a double blow means that I can't really go to the Sunderland game because I wouldn't be able to get back down in time uh, to register on Saturday. So I'm going to be walking around London Saturday afternoon, doing all my registration bits, uh, checking my phone every 30 seconds or, or listening, to, um, listening to the game on iFollow, I guess. Yeah, it's going to be a hell of a weekend.
2: And I'm sure you're going to publish your time online, right?
1: Uh, if I... Doubtful, mate. <laughs> Assuming I finish, I'll be posting it everywhere. But I don't... I'm not convinced the time is going to be anything to be proud of. But, yeah.
2: That, that was a bit of a Jeremy Paxman comment, wasn't it? You, yeah, you, just,
1: you, you didn't tell me <laughs> that was coming, yeah. Um, it's true, if that, I get around, it? I'll be happy, mate, to be honest with you. Yeah,
2: <laughs> yeah. Good stuff, mate. Good stuff. All right, let's segue into talking about the Coventry game. Let's review that because what a tense game it was. Obviously, we made our way to the to the game after after the interview... And the first half was, I think, they played us off the park.
1: Yeah, I, at the end of the day, it's, you, we say this when poor teams come to Fratton. You can only play what you're up against. And Coventry just turned up and you could tell that they were so high in confidence after their last few results, especially after that Sunderland, Sunderland win. And their, their record against the rest of the top five or the top six is incredible away from home. They, I think they were unbeaten against the rest of the top six away from home. They've won a couple and drawn a few. And you could tell that they came here to win the game. They they weren't one of those teams that came up to, you know, put ten behind the ball, time waste from ten minutes in, try and drag out. a... Well, I say that the keeper got booked for time wasting. But they weren't um, they weren't one of those teams from the get go that you think have come to try and you know drag out a really boring nil nil and, and annoy the frat and, the frat and end. Um, I think it was at some point in that first half, uh, one of my friends who I who go to the games with in the frat and end just turned to me and said they're so good at, at passing and moving it's so fucking annoying because they were just playing short pass passing it out from the back playing attractive football and at times getting the break of the ball in a lot of 50 50s it felt like when you know um, just a 50 yeah, 50 tackle or 50 50 collision and they'd come out with the ball but they yeah you've just got to put your hands up and say they played played well particularly for that first half it it dropped off a bit in the second I think give Kenny Jacket Credit where it's due for the, the substitutions he made. Uh but just before half time there was talk around us about who should you know, who should come off if anyone at half time. And general consensus was that Evans and Hawkins should should make way. And then, you know, he was obviously feeling yeah, well he was obviously thinking the same and the substitutions, you know, the what they worked and took a couple of you know, all it takes is a couple of moments to score to score two goals in the second half, and suddenly with, it's a completely different story. But yeah, you you can't really uh, say much other than Coventry. You know, they turned up with confidence and played well in the first half. To be fair to them. Uh,
2: talking about substitutions, what did you think about uh, Ronan Curtis coming back? Because he he seems to have struggled in some of the games where he he's come back on the pitch, and he showed a few more glimpses in the game before, didn't he? Against against Burton of. You know what he can do and what he can bring to the game. You know, with that ball in the box, he got for for the goal that ultimately won Pompey the game controversially at Burton. Do you think he looks like he's he's back to being match fit and back to be the player we want to be able to take other players on, or do you think he's still off the mark a little bit? Um,
1: the one thing I noticed with him, this uh, specifically the Coventry game, was he looked a hell of a lot more up for it. When um, I think it was the Rochdale game at home, he looked a bit void of energy. One of the reasons we like him is just his shithousery, he's just a complete nightmare to play against. Like Little comments here and there, a bit of chatter, leaving a little elbow in. You'd hate to play against him. And that's yeah. what makes him such a good player to have on your team. And whether it was because of the injury or lack of match fitness or whatever, he looked to have lost a little bit of that, as you say, which is understandable if you, you've not been playing at that intensity for a, a few weeks. But even when he was warming up um, on Monday night, uh, Lee Brown made a mistake down the left wing. I think he just put a, a cross straight out for a goal kick or something, and was jogging back towards his position. And Curtis walked a couple of steps onto the pitch from warming up, sort of uh, shouted in his ear, put his um, put his arm around his shoulders or his hand on his head or something, and gave him some encouragement and just looked more up for it. And I don't know if you've seen Curtis's response to to our winner with the the north stand lower. Yeah. He's proper pumped up, and that's what you want to see. Like compared to the last couple, but. Well, before Burton, a couple of games running up to that, where he looked a bit, a little bit void of that. He looked like he was getting back to, to that level of shit and that level of, I don't like using the word passion. It's really cliche, but that level of, you know,
2: energy as well. Energy. Isn't it? We'll go with energy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think, I think that's completely spot on, and I think this is exactly what we need. We need that Roland Curtis, don't we? Leading up to these three biggest games of the season, as such. And we know we keep using that biggest game of the season analogy, mm-hmm. but as as we keep winning and as they keeps progressing, I think this is some of the biggest games of the season that keep coming. Mm. Um but... just go just going back to the game quickly, mate, I know we I talked about before we did the preview about Coventry and how many chances they create and um you know what a good passing team they are. Do you think that as I said statistically, they're missing that sort of finishing touch up front to convert some of those chances or just just to turn those chances into goals? Because I'm looking at the stats now. So if you look at the expected you goals... Love stats, your stats. Yeah, I do. Uh, we've got one... We had a 1.4 expected goals, which is not surprising. Um, and Coventry only had one. Mm-hmm. So, so they, all those chances they created, all that positive movement and play didn't quite turn into those out-and-out goal-scoring opportunities that, that were created. Do you, What do you think they're missing?
1: Well, I mean, I, I'd agree with that. If you look at uh, Craig McGillivray's... Uh, Job on Monday Monday afternoon, the goal he can do do absolutely nothing about. Decent finish is what it is, but he didn't have to make any particularly worldy stops, did he? He was he no. was solid and looked good under crosses and made a couple of important punches out under some high balls, which were you know confidently done. But the number of considering how slick the build up play was from Coventry playing forward from the back and yet yeah, looking dangerous up into the final third. The number of chances they created from those positions were, or number of good chances were fairly limited, and whether or not that is um, a comment on on them in that they're not converting those positions into chances, or whether it's a comment on our back four doing a particularly good job, is you know up to people to decide who watched the game. It's probably a mixture of the two, but I mean even when even when Conor Chaplin came on, he didn't really have a sniff at. Uh, um, scoring against his old club, did he? He he won no, a free kick. At all. Uh, he won a free kick in a dangerous position by getting the wrong side of Christian Burgess. But other than that, yeah, didn't they, they weren't creating those chances? But it's <laughs> you feel a bit um, a bit reluctant to say that they don't create clear cut chances a, a week after they scored five away against Sunderland. I suppose
2: no, for sure. Or it's just hope. it's just that consistency for them, I suppose, yeah. isn't it? And I think if they had a a big game player, even someone like Brett Pittman who stepped up for us and made that difference, didn't he, by scoring that goal? You feel that they could be a lot more dangerous team and probably be in the playoffs over someone like Doncaster?
1: Yeah, I mean, yeah, like I say, it's their record against the top team shows that they are inconsistently a good enough side to be up there, for sure. They play nice football, they're taking points off, you know, teams like Luton, Barnsley, Sunderland, Charlton these, and, and um, the big teams or bigger teams around the top of the league. So, yeah, they've, they've definitely got that potential. But as you say, it's that consistency that they've been, been missing throughout the season and dropping points against teams lower in the league, um, isn't it? I, I think it might be Wolves in the Premier League have done pretty much the same thing. They've got a really yeah. good record against the top teams in the league, but don't make it stick against the lower teams in the league. So whether it's because they struggle to break them down or or their, their playing style doesn't, doesn't uh, suit those game types well. But, um, yeah, there's no reason they can't be up and about in the... You know, next season they're what five points off of playoffs at the moment with a couple of games left. So let's you know, let's face it, they're probably not making it this season. But there's no reason they can't be there and thereabouts next season if they can um, improve that consistency.
2: Indeed, I think Conor Chaplin actually spoke about the fact that the pitch they play on at the Rico is actually pretty bobbly and not great, and. I'm sure there's not been a lot of investment thrown into that ground, should we say, with their ground problems. And so apparently coming and playing on that beautiful pitch that was at Fratton Park actually suited their game to get the ball moving quickly.
1: They loved it. It's like going from playing on a school field to, you know, yeah, <laughs> school pitch or something. yeah. Yeah, encouraging you, encourage you to, to zip it around. And if that's the sort of game they like playing, like then it is going to suit them. I saw uh, Mark Robbins in the week beforehand saying that he, he was encouraging the team to play out in the back and take some risks. And yeah, the, that... Gorgeous frat and pitch probably does suit that. You know, shout out to the groundsman. That pitch looked absolutely stunning on, on Monday, didn't
2: it? It looked very FIFA, didn't it? Oh, Do you yeah, know what beautiful. I mean, yeah. That? yeah, you the absolute, love the, the diagonal stripes. It's a classic. Yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> no, loved it. And what a, what a finish from Brett Pittman. But I was just going to say, my man of the match, I know uh, Nathan Thompson got voted man of the match. on, And I think he had a great game. Um, obviously, that, that, that sliding challenge to which looked like it hit him in the nuts. Yeah, it Jeez. looked bloody painful, um, that, didn't it? it did, he didn't even flinch, though. He's a nutty. He just stood up like, <laughs> sort, of, sort of Spartan sort of finish. Touched like Dion on in Game of Thrones. That's it. He just, just literally just shrugged just it rigid. off. <laughs> but um, apart from that, I thought Tom Naylor had a great game, regardless of the goal. I think he, he looked absolutely, he looked so up for it, didn't he? And I think the fact is that he helped us win back the midfield battle, which we were losing in the first half.
1: Yeah, I'm the first half, if I'm honest, I don't know if you agree, I wasn't that sole with him in the first half. Everyone yeah. has dodgy forty five minutes, it is what it is. Um but yeah, second half came out and helped run the show pretty much. And as you say, the amount he looked up for it, his reaction at the final whistle absolutely went, you know, a little bit mental at the frat and end. He was absolutely buzzing uh, at the final whistle. A lot of them were, but he was, you know, another level. You could tell how up for it, he wasn't how much he wanted it. So if you're if you're doubting how much the team means to people who have potentially only come in this season and obviously he's come from um, from Burton so it's not a, a he yeah you could tell he wanted to get back into the back into the championship where he was last year um but yeah he he came into the show a lot in the second half and obviously scored that that key thumping header to equalize the game for us and to get us back into it
2: I'd like to see him do more of that, to be honest. He's actually known that when he played at Burton to be absolute quality in the air, and he's scored some really important goals for them in the air. I think one of them was knocking Gillingham out. I'm uh, well, not knocking him out, scoring against Gillingham in one of the games, of the final games of the season, which ultimately got Burton promoted into the Championship. So, yeah, let's see if he can do the same for us, and maybe it'll be one of those goals that we look back on in the same way that Burton did in their promotion season.
1: Yeah, well, if we end up going, off, going up automatically, then... Yeah, looking back to when we're 1-0 down against Coventry, that could be a, a key moment, hopefully.
2: Go up automatically, or dare I say, as champions?
1: Uh, Luton have got a tough run in, you never know. Luton have got um, Burton away, haven't they, who are, yep. as we found out recently, quite a difficult team to play away. Uh, you could probably say we got a touch, tiny, 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 tiny bit fortunate with our winner. You know, borderline call, cool, but you know he did punch it to... Uh, across the face of goal, but uh, yeah, Burton is a yep. tough place to go to, and then they've got Oxford, who uh, are unbeaten in at least five. I know, well, I don't know their record after that, but they have turned over Charlton uh, recently. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and um, they they beat Coventry about four weeks ago. Um, so yeah, there's those are actually tough games. Um, Burton away, Oxford at home. I think Barnsley have got the easiest run in out of all the top four teams, and they've been quietly just collecting points and. We just assumed that either us or Sunderland would go above them. Um, But Luton have started dropping points here and there. Sunderland have dropped points here and there. Obviously, we've been on a decent run. So, well, decent is harsh. We've been on an extremely good run. Uh, Mm -hmm. But yeah, suddenly Barnsley are there or thereabouts for automatics and are seriously challenging for it.
2: I mean, if you look at it as well, I mean, I don't know how he does this, but, you know, I had James Robbins on the show last week and he potentially might be a wizard. Yet um, he, he he predicted that Wimbledon were going to get a draw up at Luton and I just said to him, I just don't see it happening. You know, I think they're too good for them. And I hope James put money on that one because he's did actually you, ended up right. Limbs?
1: Did you see the limbs in the Wimbledon end after that equaliser? No, it? no. I've I've watched it like five, six times. One of their players literally goes five or six rows back into the stand. It's, it's incredible. Honestly, i have a look on Twitter after we've I recorded will this. Okay, it's cool. There's just limbs everywhere considering it was for a point, um, not even for three points. And, but, oh yeah, it's, I was it's glad for a lot of reasons to see that. I, I quite like Wimbledon as a team to be honest with you. Yeah, um, compared yeah. To some, compared to some of the other teams down there, not naming names, Plymouth, I'd rather Wimbledon <laughs> stayed up. <laughs> you, you, re- carry on, sorry.
2: No, carry on, sorry mate.
1: I was going to say, compared to the, you know, the managers of teams around them and the style of play, and, the, you know, the history of the club, I'd, I'd quite like to see him stay up.
2: Well, Wimbledon now have one win and four draws in a row and beating them five. I can see their run is pretty, uh, pretty easy compared to other teams around them. They've got Wickham at home and Bradford away as the last two games of the season.
1: Right. Wickham at yeah. home will just try and time waste their way to a nil-nil and have as little time with the ball actually in play as possible. Yeah. And yeah. Um, so Bradford away, did you say?
2: Yeah, Bradford away.
1: Oh, so yeah. Bradford are down. So, yeah, you know there's no reason they can't get four points out of that, I don't think, which would definitely be enough
2: they They could potentially right get one point. they've got a minus twenty two goal difference. Plymouth have a minus twenty one goal difference. I say Plymouth probably carry on their getting spanked record, which is currently at a uh four, one, two, three, four, four losses in a row. Uh, before that they drew one game of Bristol Rovers, and then they they lost a the fleet with the game before that. Um, they're going away to Accrington Stanley for the next game and Accrington Stanley will want to cement their place in the league with that win, which I believe mm-hmm. they can. And then they have the last game of the season, which is absolutely vital for them. This is what a game this will be, home to Scunthorpe.
1: That's massive, isn't it? That's going to decide it, surely. Assuming Wimbledon takes some points off Wickham. That's, yeah. that's going to decide whether or not either, whoever loses that is down essentially, aren't they?
2: Yeah, I mean, precisely, yeah.
1: To be honest, The only thing that it would take me about Plymouth as the manager and the whole dockyard derby bullshit that they pull out every year. Even the, the Pompey Twitter feed this season put a post out saying they'd hidden all tweets containing the words dockyard mm-hmm. and derby before the game. <laughs> I uh, love it's that. Just, yeah, it's, yeah. Um, but to be honest with you, yeah, they just. I'd like to see Wimbledon stay up. I'm pretty apathetic about everyone else. I don't honestly care who goes down from from those teams. But it would be nice to see Wimbledon stay up because it's always nice to see them in a league above MK. Yeah, yeah,
2: I'm sure. Um, although I do think controversially they did the same thing to Kingston. Yeah. So, I mean, we we had this,
1: yeah, we had this conversation in the Rifle, didn't we? The Yeah, uh, yeah. On Monday, but compared Hey-ho. to the teams around them.
2: Hey, yeah. No, I we're drifting off topic,
1: mate,
2: badly. Now. I'm always drifting off topic. Right. We'll, we'll get back on topic now because I just want to talk about this promotion race quickly. And then we're going to go into uh, previewing the Sunderland game. We've got Luton top of the league they've got a difficult run in obviously mm. me and James predicted but they've got to play Burton away and Oxford at home if they win one of those games and lost one of the games God forbid for Luton and we win all three we'd go up as champions as we already know however however that's a tall ask isn't it um, so let's focus on that second spot we've got Sunderland or Sunland, as they as they call it mm. um, let's get into reviewing it um, people listening to it will probably listen to this other one first so if you go and search i've done the Roker report preview again so if you go and look on their podcast you get to listen to my voice again which is either bad or or good depending on what you think and yeah hear me chatting it out with some of the sunderland guys so let's do a less partisan one mate because well a more partisan one let's be honest a more honest upfront ones i tried not to rub it in their faces so much because as i explained to you off air they were quite sad to be honest they're a little bit down the dump, shall we say, and even maybe looking for a, a bit of reassurance from our way that they're not completely done for.
1: Yes, yeah, it's, it's weird. It shows how much momentum plays a part at this stage in the season. I mean, you look at the run that they were on sort of, while well, we were struggling after new year and suddenly they've won one in four. We've won what's seven in a row now.
2: Mm-hmm. In the and league suddenly, league.
1: yeah, yeah. Suddenly momentum just switches like the, like the flip of a coin. So, yeah they my my thoughts for the Saturday game is we traditionally don't start particularly quickly um I mean, we chatted about this off air before before recording yeah but if we can get on top of that game early on, their fans are already nervous, you know we we can attempt to do at the stadium of light like what a lot of teams come to Fratton and try to do and get on top early and then get the Fratton Park faithful you know a bit frustrated a bit just yeah fed up with the game uh, to start things off so if we can get on top of that game early on you never know you know put the fans to the test put the team to the test
2: yeah, and it was a question I asked and um, Graham, who runs the Rogue Report Extra podcast, said to me that you know, even though he thinks the atmosphere is improving and they've been doing things to try and make it improve and singing Wise Men Says before the game and little things to try and bring the crowd together a bit more, I think, mm. um, it is a problem and it could be a stage where we go 1-0 up and the fans start really getting on the back of the players, especially after the two results they've had with that loss and a draw now.
1: Oh, you hope so, don't you? But then Having said that, traditionally, we don't, as I said, we don't start too fast. And obviously, the checker trade is a very different game, very different atmosphere. Uh, but the first half of that, we were beyond fortunate to only go into half-time 1-0 down. So whether or not our team selection will be the same as it was for the checker trade final, it's that's a bit of an interesting one, actually, because in the checker trade final, Curtis was obviously only just coming back from, from his finger problem and uh, looked a bit a bit off the pace and Evans came on and changed things up. But then this weekend just gone, Evans had a fairly quiet game, which happens to the, to the to everyone. And then Curtis came on and, you know, looked more exciting. So I think it'll be really interesting to see who who Jacket starts with.
2: It's a bit deja vu, isn't it, really? I mean, mm. in the same way that Curtis feels, I feel like he's just coming back from the same injury, but the same situation, really. Yeah, um, pretty much. I mean, I was asked this as well about who we're going to start. And obviously, you know, the back four, the midfield uh, in the centre, we know it's going to be close and Naylor mm-hmm. unless some sort of divine axe from above comes and shoots one down. The lightning bolt, hopefully that doesn't happen, Touchwood. Um, then we've got Jamal Lowe, I think, will start, obviously, on the right. Yep. Brett Pittman, you think, will start in the centre behind the striker. Yep. And then you've got the, the two positions, which are sort sort of the most up for grabs in the squad now, aren't they? Which is wide left and up front. Do you yeah, think... Well- do you think Hawkins gets to start from
1: I think he does. Well, in yeah. the in the Checker Trade final, it was a uh, Bogle from memory, and then Hawkins came on second, Correct. second half. Correct. Correct. And obviously, that's not uh, not likely to happen in this game as, as Bogle's on crutches before the commentary game. It sounds like he might be finished with us. Uh, be back for playoffs if he's lucky. for his, what is what I heard. Don't know how accurate that is, but obviously mm-hmm. he's not going to be playing in this game. So, I think you do go Pittman behind Hawkins to start things off with Vaughan as the option. Um, some people are going to be clamouring for Vaughan to start because he did. He looked good when he uh, came on against Coventry, and it was nice to see him get some minutes. And he looked dangerous. Uh, he seems to get clattered more than pretty much any other player apart from Nathan Thompson. He seems to be in the wrong place at the wrong time and just gets wiped out a lot. Uh, but he looked good in that Coventry game. Uh, so there is, yeah, like you say, there's a big, a big division there between between Vaughan and Hawkins. Uh, personally, I'd go, I'd start Hawkins. Yeah, because he did. You know, at the end of the day, he's coming up against a very similar, if not the same 11 that he came up against in the checker trade game. And he looked seriously good uh, in the second half of that game. So,
2: I mean, they, they are going to make, they, they have made some changes to the squad, which will affect the Hawkman, who is all the obviously, Hawkman. yeah, good, <laughs> well, I'm rolling with that, mate. Um, right. Yeah, you're like, what? Yeah, no, the Hawkman, he's... Um, He's also, I think, he should be known as the, as the Sunderland Destroyer because he obviously got the, the red card um, uh, awarded against them, Because was it Loverin, whoever his name is, for, mm. for Sunderland in the first game in December, which really changed the game for us, didn't it, yep. at home for the 3-1 win. They said to me before that game that they are worried about anyone with any power who can hold the ball up and hustle their two uh, defenders at the back there. That's changed, though, in the last few weeks. After that devastating loss to Coventry at home, they ditched the two centre-backs have been playing all season and put two other centre-backs in at the back. So Hawkins is not me really playing against the same two he played against in the Checker Trade Trophy. Okay. And the two who do play at the back are much more combative, physical, route one sort of defence defenders, whilst the other two guys who've come out are much more that passing sort of centre-backs.
1: Well, so you think Vaughan would be the better option to combat that, do you?
2: Um, I don't know, really, mate. To be honest, it's That's very game of it's, opinion, it's, it's, isn't it? Um It's difficult to know whether I, I actually think we should start with Hawkins and bring Vaughan on in the same okay. way as you do. But at the same time, I can perceive there'll be some difficult or different even challenges um, that Hawkins will come up against against these two much more root one sort of old sure. school defenders. I mean, I know they were told to, if in doubt, kick it out. Should we say against Coventry? No, sorry, in the last game, it's Doncaster before this one. So after the Coventry game, sorry. I get that, right? So they're not not anymore just trying to pass it out. But that will work in our favour a bit, because if they're having to boot it out every time the ball comes near Hawkins, that's just going to help us push out, isn't it? And not have to sit as deep as we can, you know, fall into that trap.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's... Yeah, in terms of us sitting deep, that's where it's been... Frustrating is the wrong word. That's where we where we look vulnerable at times, like stages of that game against Burton, for example, where we couldn't get out of our third. If we for yeah,
0: if, if we, we can fought, avoid yeah. It,
1: yeah, if they play a style that allows us to not get penned in like that, it's it's only going to work to our advantage. You would think yeah. you could see us playing quite deep against uh, Coventry in the first half? I'm assuming that was because they have got, as we've touched on already, quite a quick, pacey team, and uh, Jacket didn't want to leave too much space between defence and midfield and didn't leave, want to leave too much space behind our back four. So I'm guessing we had two quite deep back uh, banks of, of players for that. But um, yeah, if we could avoid being penned in, you'd think that that would play to our advantage in, in the Sunderland game.
2: Obviously. And I think they're the second youngest team in the league, I think, Coventry. Um, so they're obviously quite athletic as well and quick, aren't they? Mm-hmm. Was I don't feel Sunderland have the same level of athleticism across... Across the, um, across the squad, basically, as Coventry do. And if we play the ball forward and Hawkins gets it and knocks it round someone, and then they have to boot it off. It's almost like playing a rugby game, isn't it? Where you kick up possession and they're going to be kicking it out and then we're going to be able to, to push out. So Which,
1: I think, I that... think that's, that's quite a good option against Pompey, if I'm honest. Our, our defensive throw-ins <laughs> are <like>, uh, <laughs> just poor. It, we, how often do we lose the ball from a defensive throwing position? I'm well, not I... overcritical. It's just something that we always seem to notice.
2: Yeah, and I also, I mean, it depends really how many yards Nathan Thompson can manage to get whilst holding the ball, shouting to move up the pitch, isn't it? Yeah. He seems to be the master of creeping forward, and Lee Brown doesn't seem too bad at that either. Yeah, absolutely. Um, okay, so
1: looking at their team, who is the danger man that you've highlighted for them? I mean, yeah, we, this is a very similar conversation to what we had before the Checker trade final, isn't it? I mean... Of course. You look at the big names they've got in the sides. McGeady's having a very good end to the season. He was as predicted, quality against us in the Checker trade final. Mm-hmm. Uh, he got he got taken off uh, in the draw, didn't he? He got taken off in their last game. Yeah. So I'm assuming they're trying to keep him keep him fairly fresh.
2: He's um he's been in a uh, notch I know he didn't train before the Doncaster game because oh, of yeah, injuries. I you, yeah, I yeah. heard that
1: he had a couple of days out before the game, yeah. Which is interesting. Um but again it's exactly the same as we said before the the the, the Wembley game in that they've got players who can do those moments of magic. So whether it's McGee or whether it's Max Power or Will Grigg or even Honeyman to a to an extent. Yeah. They they're all players who can do something special at the flick of a switch in the same way we've got someone like Jamal Lowe who can do similar as 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 demonstrated a lot recently, and someone like Pittman who can, you know, bury a half chance um purely just through being a quality player. Um and they've got yeah, a few of those players. So I'd always Identify McGee as their big threat based on the last time we played each other. he seemed to sure. enjoy the system we we put out last time. It gave him quite a lot of joy, particularly in the first half um, but it was a uh, was it Max Power scored in the their game against posh the other day Max um, Powers
2: also one of those players who um I think it was max Power who scored but he he's also keeping out let bitter out the team, which has been a bit of a conversation um you for Sunderland rate don't you well, I think he's bloody old, but he seems to pass the ball very well. So, um, But, you know, Max Power's playing well for them. I, I, I personally think that there's not too much we can say, really, about this team, apart from that they will create chances. And we have to be very, very wary of the fact that they can take the chances.
1: And we've so... got to learn the lessons from that first half at Wembley, to be honest. I know, yeah. as you said, they're playing a slightly different system, but you've got to learn your lessons from that because... If we played that half of football again, I don't think we'd, you know, most of the time, we're not going to end up 1-0 down. I think we're going to end up two down at best. That was a bit bit of a, a, a fluke yeah, to only be one down at Wembley at half-time. I think yeah. they could have felt hard done by to only be one up. So, yeah, we've got to learn our lessons from that. Jamal I'm, Lowe's, I'm sure they are. The ball needs to
2: be in front of Jamal Lowe as well, because I know Oviedo, their left back, um, mm. he's been in really good form as well. I believe he was a... Very expensive transfer when he first came to Sunderland. i it was six million or something. So yeah, seven. Right for them. But um, but he's been, he's been playing very well. And um, Honeyman's been playing very well behind Charlie White. And I think Charlie White's got four goals and five games or something along those lines okay. as well. So he's been absolutely massive for them, not just in height, but um, I know he missed a couple of sitters the other day against against Peterborough. I think it was yeah against Peterborough and. You know, fans are giving him as much leeway as Sunderland fans do um, because of the fact he scored a fair amount of goals. But we need to be on top of him, you know, because he will he will score goals if we allow him to.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I'd agree with that. They're fairly well, for the most part, they're going to be a fairly clinical team, aren't they? Well, they built the 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 table for a reason, mate.
2: They built their system a little bit more now around playing with Charlie Wyke up front, you see. So, when you look at the lineup now and how they play, their their formation is it's a sort of a four two three one, but it's almost like a V formation if that makes sense. With Honeyman then in behind White, and you've got sort of the four, then the two players of Catamar and Max Power who are sitting in, they sort of almost help push wide as well. So, uh, Lewis Morgan, who's probably going to start on the, on the right wing, he's been in very good form as well for them. I assume, I assume he'll start the game. Um, although if he doesn't, you've got um, Lyndon Gooch, who um, he's a sort of a homegrown talent, isn't he, a Sunderland boy. He might get the nod. But yeah. Um, yeah I think Chris- you,
1: you know more about Sunderland than I do from your Roker report and your, your repeated appearances <laughs> in Sunderland media this season. So
2: yeah, yeah definitely that's have it. a
1: knowledge edge on that one. No jokes, mate.
2: Yeah, so might as well blab about it. So if anyone's interested, I'll also be doing an article for the Sunderland website and for Roker Report. So why not fucking put it out there? Anyway, so Andy, what do you think this match is going to come down to? I'm going to throw this at you now. What is your match prediction? 4-0
1: Pompey, 6-0 Pompey? I am not going to back anything other than a Pompey win. I mean, we've won seven in a row. What sort of fan would not back Pompey to to make it eight? Uh, As I say, I think that what makes the difference is going to be whether or not we can start fast. I've said it once or twice already, so I'm not going to repeat myself too much. But that first 20, 30 minutes is going to be key. If we can get on top, score an early goal and put pressure on the team, put pressure on their fans after the run they've had recently, there's no reason that, you know, once they start opening up, we can't snatch a second one on the break. I mean, I'm going for a 2-1 win because I'm a massive optimist. Uh, and to be fair, I genuinely think that there's no reason Pompey can't come away with the result. Sunderland have been good, really good at home this season. But as we discussed, their confidence is down. They've had a couple of, not dodgy results recently, but they've dropped points at Posh. They've dropped uh, all three points at home to Coventry in that ridiculous game. I'd rather be playing them now than I would have been about four or five months ago at at, uh, the Stadium of Light. I think they're they're reasonably fallible. I think it's going to come down to two or three moments that pass in the blink of an eye. Who takes half chances? And I think whoever goes the first goal up is going to win. I don't see the team coming from behind to win it. Mm. Well,
2: I'm going to go over it. I'm going to go for a 2-1 win as well. It's what I've been predicting. Um, I, d- I do feel it could end up one all Sunderland are the draw specialists of the league, as we all mm-hmm. know. Um, they've got a ridiculous amount of draws this season. I think they've drawn 18 games, which is mad. Um, right, a draw is
1: great news for Barnsley. so.
2: <laughs> yeah, I know. As everyone keeps telling me in my office, the Barnsley contingent. But I personally think that we're going to come away with a 2-1 winners, And I think we'll end up having to do it from behind. So you think we will come oh interesting okay yeah,
1: yeah you think do. it'll be a repeat of almost a repeat of the checker trade game then go go yeah. down come back and sneak it
2: i think so 2-1 Two, 2-1 one. Two, one. It's, it's 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 the result at the moment isn't it and i think this team at the moment has found a way of you know getting through this adversity so mm. let's do it boys 2-1 pompey let's have it i'm up for it i like you? it
1: yeah do you um, are you thinking we should put some sort of bet on again obviously it went fairly well for us in the checker trade game yeah, it did. Um,
2: thanks for sharing the winnings for me at the right. Oh, you appreciate called the bet.
1: that. You called the bet. We both, right, both made a little all right, out about that.
2: All right, here we go. Here we go. Bet for this bet for this game.
1: Who are you picking for me? Anytime goal scorer. I'm just trying to think about it, mate, now from
2: because there's a couple of blatant ones, isn't there? Yeah, but I, it, I
1: mean same as same as checker yeah. trade. We don't we don't go for the expected
2: Oh no, I'm not I'm not calling a Jamal Low uh, goal at any time and getting us <laughs> two two to five odds or whatever we're <laughs> gonna go for. We could back the lads again, mate. We could repeat the bet. Go
1: for the same two. Go for Thompson and Brown. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So what, do you want me to take Brown this time? You have Thompson. Yeah, let's do it. All All right, let's we'll do have it. A five reach on that. Lovely Yeah.
2: Stuff. All right, mate. I'm up for that. We'll post the results online. and We'll see if we could make some serious money out of it.
1: Yeah. Big shout out to Nathan Thompson for picking a great time to score his first Pompey goal. Nathan after, Thompson. I'd, after I'd yeah. thrown a five on him at 16 to 1 at any time. That was awesome timing on his part. I believe we can get better odds than that this time, so let's fucking do it, mate. Are you having a look now? No,
2: but I will do. I just, I was just, I was just being wildly optimistic. If okay. I'm honest.
1: <laughs> right, yeah. Okay, we'll chuck it on Thompson and Brown again, going for the second win. Easy game, this betting thing, isn't it?
2: Oh, mate, it's so easy. Literally, I just can't stop winning. <laughs> one out of one. <laughs> yeah yeah obviously don't gamble record. gamble responsible even <laughs> kids are listening to it you know it's bad and only ever put a pound yeah. or something you yeah i don't
1: gamble on, i don't bet on any sport it's only when uh when i'm talking to you so you're obviously a good influence
2: oh yeah i'm the kind of person parents are sort of like don't speak to that hugh bunts yeah he's dodgy
1: sort very dodgy sort
2: indeed now i'm just now i'm just making up time so i can find the uh find the odds for you mate um so uh, competitions we're still in league one that's unfortunate but let's have a look for it in if anyone's interesting are uh, 23 to 20 to win which is short it's 23 to 10 a draw Pompeo 9 to 4 did you fancy Ooh.
1: a go might have a look at that I mean it's the thing uh, is uh, if I bet on them it instantly stops them being likely to win doesn't it to be fair
2: yeah, probably. Let's have a look at the results. Maybe Sky are trying to put this against us, mate, purely because they think, wait a second, these lads are on us again. Nathan Thompson <laughs> to score any time, yeah?
1: Yeah, Lee to Brown. One. Oh, Same as he was for checker trade. Easy, easy money. It's another five. Put it on. Lee Brown,
2: 33 to one.
1: Oh, easiest money we're ever going to make. <laughs> well, all we need now is both of them to score, right? If Lee Brown scores, it's either going to be an absolute pile driver from about 30 yards which is threatened to do a couple of times but they've been blocked or it's going to be a skewed cross from the left that drifts over the keeper's head into the into far corner corner, into the far top corner
2: another good shout out christian burgess is 33 to one anytime it's always worth a punt set
1: pieces you never know
2: yeah precisely and somehow brandon houndstrip is 25 to one
1: I don't think that's a strong bet. <laughs> <laughs> Although mate. Alex Bass, he's equally likely to score, isn't he? I'm he's... going to be like such an idiot if Houndstrup comes on and scores now. But, yeah, you can't win them all. I'll Definitely. take that hit if it means we win the game. Yeah, same here, mate.
2: Okay, dude. I think we'll sum it up there rather than go into some sort of sky betting uh, free. So other
1: gambling establishments are available. Yes, they Obviously. are indeed.
2: We, yeah, I, do you know what? We don't get. I don't get paid for this, any sort of gambling promotion. So what am I doing? I'm mentioning names. (laughs) Fair enough. (laughs) Anyway, dude, cool. So we'll we'll see how it goes. Uh, It's great having you on the the show again, mate. And uh, yeah, awesome doing the interview. Um, Yeah, Go and check that out.
1: We'll get some some more lined up over summer. Hopefully it's easier to get the players in the off season. So hopefully we'll get some, uh, some good feature length interviews for the podcast.
2: That's it. I'm just going to keep barraging their, their inboxes mate until they say yes.
1: Excellent stuff, mate. (laughs) All right, dude,